Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and I am here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I am joined by my lovely co-host, Marcy Lee. And we have the honor and the privilege of interviewing my grandmaster teacher, uh, Professor James Small. I'm not going to go into a long introduction. Many of y'all know who he is. And if you don't, then you have been living under a rock and you don't know the meaning of Google. <laughs> so, <laughs> Professor James Small, you're not a stranger to the Necessary Blackness podcast. Probably your third time and it's definitely not going to be your last time uh, coming on. I wanted to uh, reach out to you and have you as our first guest for one. Uh, um, this right here is definitely going to be a monumental year for Black America. And I wanted to interview someone that um, seen pivotal moments in history and, you know, know the trajectory that we are traveling on today as melanated people and can give us some insight. So the name of this podcast is called Culture and Politics in Black America. I'd love for you to speak to that today. So what I'm gonna do is, it's always ladies first. So I'm gonna um, give the honor and the privilege to uh, Marcy Lee, if you wanna go first. You mean asking a question? Yes. Okay, well, like you, I wanna echo pretty much what you were saying. Um, it's an honor to have you on the broadcast. Um, you are someone that we all look up to. And Raheem talks about you <laughs> so really? much in, in, in such high esteem. And I have to admit that, you know, when I got the opportunity to um, research you and just learn more about you, I just became more and more um, just... I don't. I can't even think of the right word, um, but it, it, like I said, it's just an honor. It's just an honor to be speaking with you. And I did get the opportunity to meet you um, last year, and um, I love that you have a great, great energy about you. And I think that I want to start off uh, by starting with the most obvious political situation that's going on right now, and that is in response to what went on with. Um, um, Trump, that some of his people decided to storm the Capitol. What is your take on it? And, you know, what do you feel was the relevance of what they did? I was happy. <laughs> I was happy to see white folks wilding out, being who they really are. You know, I was happy to see that it was a setup. Trump held the National Guard back. They didn't call in other police until it was too late and then gave his people a chance to go and do their thing. But they went, they didn't expect that the, the um, mayor would send her brothers over to help out. That was those brothers in green battling them on the front line. That was uh, DC Metro. And those brothers put up a battle. I mean, you got 200 guys and you against 3,000 dudes and you still fighting. I got to get them black cops, some, you know, and the white guys who was with them. 
I got to give them some kudos. That thing guts. Because you know you were dealing with crazies. And they knew they were dealing with crazies. But they weren't backing down. I saw one brother punch a dude, knock them down, then reached out to drag him past the barricade. I go, like, this brother, they got a lot of heart. Do you think it was a socially engineered event? Like, do you think it was something that was planned? Oh, it was planned. It was planned. And I think the um, the police leadership at the Capitol was in on it. Um, you know, that's why they didn't have enough men there. Um, and it would have been much worse had not uh, the mayor of D.C. sent her men over. Those are the brothers waiting the green, you know, because they were the ones that battled them on the front line. Um, it's sad that one of the police officers, I don't know whether it's a brother or not, lost his life. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady, she was the enemy, so she got took out. You know, mm-hmm. so I ain't worried about her. The others, they were the enemy. They were there as a part of that whole thing. But I was happy because it. what I was saying was that Trump was going to do all the dirt he had done, and then he was going to get out of office as a Mr. Clean and just cause trouble for the next four years. Well, this has disgraced him so. He ain't gonna be able to do that. And this is put him and his boy in such jeopardy. They're all looking at jail time now for murder, manslaughter, mm-hmm. sedition, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, in that sense, I wanted it to happen because I wanted the world to see who they were. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. these wing punks got the cover pulled off of them and now even though you know the big discussion was if they were black people they would have been a you know bloodier scene and yes we know that would be true but it is clear there were probably no cops there somebody had them stand down you got those people that had been in town for two days 30,000 people rallying raising hell and you ain't got nobody there at the Capitol? So somebody was told to stand down, let it happen. You know, you know what's interesting? Um, That's one thing, because the mayor had asked for the National Guard two days earlier. Yeah. He couldn't bring the Guard onto the Capitol, so she needed Trump's permission. And he didn't give that permission. It was the vice president that gave that permission at 4.30 or so. After you know, another I want to highlight is that a lot of people, and it's a, um, a senior officer. He, he he was a Capitol Hill officer, high ranking. He was a black man, and mm-hmm. he said that on the eve of the Million Man March in 1995, right, that mm-hmm. officers wasn't even allowed to go home. You had to report at three o'clock in the morning, right. Right. and the the uh. uh the um, Million Man March didn't start like nine or something like that, but they had to be there at three o'clock in the morning. They called in the Virginia police, the National Guard. They said the underground was filled with National Guards. Right. Uh, people was told to go home. It, it was like a big thing from Maryland to I was there. police. Yeah. All of them was there. And guess what? There was not one arrest. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. And to get to the other point, right? I don't know where in the world it happens at, but I know in my community, if people go out and they riot and someone gets killed in the process, then they all be in charge with murder. 
But I really want to see how this play out. And then any crime that's considered that 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 um that happens in Washington D.C. because it's the national capital is automatically considered a federal offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the federal government has a uh, 98% conviction rate. So this right here, uh, the world is watching, and uh, I'm not going to be too optimistic about uh, any of them being prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But I, I think there's something that's going to happen to them. Um, we do know that it was a congressman that uh, was in there as well. From West um, there was off-duty police officers. Um, NYPD officer wearing her NYPD hat. You know. And all. Wow. So you know, and some of them were showing their badges. And yeah, and the down because they came up showing badges. Do you think that this is something that we, as a community, the black community, should be giving so much attention to? Do you think because I think a lot of people are anticipating that the results that we think should happen will not. So I'm wondering if we should focus our attention elsewhere. No, we have other places to focus our attention, but we better learn how to pay attention to this. Because when Grandmaster Jay got arrested, I didn't see his people rallying. So you can't be out here playing, okay? And so, um, and I talked to Jay. I, I I reached out to him and he called me and we had a nice long talk. And um, I'm not going to requit that talk here, but one of the things that we know is a lot of our people don't understand how dangerous the right wing is in this country. You know, I've been dealing with him since I'm a child from South Carolina. You know, I had attempts in my life long before I got out in the movement as such. I had to run in swamps and hide in woods, you know. So I know what it is dealing with this devil. He real. He'd be smiling, drinking a beer, doing the good old boy thing. And the next thing you know, you got a pistol to your head. So if we don't understand what we're dealing with, and we saw it at the Capitol, that's who he is. Well, what do you think we should be doing? Like, because I hear what you're saying, that covert energy, like where they're smiling in your face. Are they a friend? Are they a foe? What we need to do is clean up our act. Clean up our community. Stop the bull. All right? Stop rationalizing and justifying bad behavior as being cool. Mm. I don't give a damn about no hip-hop, hip-hop, or whatever hop. If it's about negativity and abuse and destruction of the black community, how do you get a pass? Because I say it and I'll say it again, in the last 30 years, black men have murdered over 300,000 other black men and women. You hear what I'm saying? So we talking about the cop and the few thousand they murdered in the last 30 years. We've murdered over 300,000 of our own people. So we need to get our act together. Now, we wouldn't go out and shoot up them dudes we saw yesterday, but we'll shoot up Raheem because he wearing his hat on the wrong side of his head or he got on the wrong color hat in the wrong neighborhood. Or I said, yo, to him, and he didn't say, yo, back in the right way. And we think that is supposed to be some glamorized cultural bull that we're supposed to give path to. No. 
white man in blackface, whether they're saying yo, yo, or yo, dog, or whatever, you're a white man in blackface. Stop playing. Stop playing. You saw yourself yesterday or day before yesterday. That was you, young black men. Not all of you, but too many of you are just white men in blackface intimidating the weakest and the poorest of our people and ain't got the guts to face those right-wing crackers. Hmm. Okay. So we I need to get our acts together. Yeah, that's why I think uh, part like this is very important because although we know that we kill each other at alarming rates, right? We know the underlying problem. I understand the underlying problem right here, but I ain't hearing that shit. If those Negroes are in the way of the revolution, take them out, okay? Because you see, when you can kill 300,000 of your people in 30 years and still ain't trying to change your behavior, then we need to do what they did in China and Mao Town find, found those types and killed them mm -hmm. by the millions. He removed them and he was able to have a revolution. So brothers, there ain't no more excuse. See, it would be an excuse if you met the white man and you did the same thing to him, but you don't do that, okay? Argue with so your excuse is out of the window. A punk is a punk is a punk, okay? And you and I, we've been, you know, we've been on the inside. We know what that's like. A man gonna be a man if he gonna be a man, you know? And so, we now have you do understand. people to task. If we learn any lesson from that storming of the Capitol, is white folks still think, and these are poor crackers. They ain't, these are, are not the wealthy. This is not even the middle class. Some of them was there. But these are mainly the poor working class who's being oppressed by the same white boss that's oppressing us. But they can't, they're so blind, backwards, dumb, that they're going to turn on us, the one people that make life better for them. Because every time we've caused a change in the law in this country, poor white people have profited from it. They get more food stamps than we get. They get more welfare than we get. They get more childcare than we get. But they don't fight for none of it. But they, they, they're at the office long before you can get up and get there. All right? And But we need to study this. What is it we're dealing with? And some, I heard a white woman said it today, and she said it so well. She said, we're dealing with the same Bull Connor. This is the people who was Bull Bull Connor. These are the people who were in Jim Crow. These are the Klansmen. These are the people who was raping black women and killing black men for no reason. These are the people who killed Emmett Till on a lie. They knew that lady was lying. They didn't care. These are the people who burnt down Rosewood. They knew that woman was a whore. And rather than tell her husband that her whore and white partner had just been in bed with her, she screamed rape about one of the kindest black men in the community. He knew she was with whoring for this guy, but he couldn't go face his people with that. So he had to say, let's go get this innocent black man and kill him. And you lynching somebody, you know he's innocent. You up there accusing him of rape, you know he's innocent. That's who we saw at the Capitol. That level of consciousness, you see, that is, that, that is one of the lowest level of consciousness in America 
the poor white working class, especially from the South and the Midwest, were mostly of Anglo-Saxon, Irish, and German background. Do you foresee anything coming out of the activity? Do you think it was just a show? Um, or do you think that this is leading up to something more? They just want to stay in the privileged position in America. That's the something more they're leading up to. Listen, black votes kick their behinds in Pennsylvania. Black votes kick their behinds in Michigan. Black folks kick their behind in Wisconsin. Black votes kick their behind in Georgia. We turned the Klan headquarters. That's what y'all say is, homie. All right. We turned the red Klan headquarters blue. Black folks did it. They know it. And I, I like Mr. Biden. You know, he's done some good things in history. People get on him about the thing with the, the three strikes in the outpiece. But Biden has stood up for a lot of things that's very positive before and since that. And if we're going to be who we are, we got to be real about people, right? But given his health and age, Kamala may be the first black woman president of the United States. You think they're not mindful of that? You think that's not what part of that was yesterday? But do you think that it matters? I'm only in the context of... It, it matters to the degree... <clears throat> it matters to the degree we take advantage of it. Mm. So you can't sit back and tell somebody, feed me. You got to feed yourself. Okay. Ms. Harris is in there. Then where are we? Are we going to control the politics in our community so we can place demands on her? Are we going to hang out at the club and party and, and when shit don't go right, we're going to complain to her? We got to take responsibility for our own lives. And we got to take responsibility for leadership. I've learned a lot about Ms. Harris. Ms. Harris is not an African-American. Her dad is from Jamaica. Her granddad on that side is white. Her mom is from India, but her mom is a black India from the same space in Southern India that my wife's mom's people are from. But Ms. Harris grew up in a very black community. Her Indian mom was a part of the black movement in California. She was a part of the San Francisco state. She worked with brothers like Obi Tchaka and the others out there, okay? And she, as a young girl, was a part of the whole black nationalist movement, rights of passage thing. So she ain't who people have been trying to portray as. They say, no, she was a district attorney or attorney general. She put some woman in jail. Well, she did a lot more than that. Willie Brown isn't a punk. And so because Willie Brown, the most powerful black man in the history of the state of California, was one of her mentors, people want to try to reduce it to like with some sex relationship. I doubt if there was any such relationship between them because I lived in California. I know Willie Brown and you cannot marginalize Willie Brown because he ran California for nearly 30 years. Mm. But most black people don't even know who Willie Brown is or the kinds of things he did for black folks out there. So we get caught up in white media, media tripping and we should really learn how to do real research. And if you do, Kamala Harris may be the blackest thing in the in the government right now. And I just want to add, based on what you just said, the vice president, Vice President Harris. Yeah, let me um let, let me go to the next question, right? Because we're going to get into our, our second part, right? Mm -hmm. Um, about politics, and the other day, me and you were speaking. And you, you was talking about the political leaders, Adam Clayton Powell. You was talking about the political clubs that they used to have in Harlem. Right. I want you to give some history on that. 
about the political clubs in Harlem, what was they able to accomplish as opposed to today, where they was able to accomplish a lot much more, it seems, than what we are able to accomplish today when we have more uh, congressional leaders than any time ever. We have the, uh, congressional uh, leaders, but we're leaving it to them. The difference was back then, we didn't leave it to Adam. I was one of Powell's bodyguard for a time period. I was a member of the, the Martin Luther King Democratic Club headed by Charlie Ranger after um, Adam left. But me and Brother Reggie, we had our own Democratic Club. Did Brother Reggie ever talk to you about that? I don't know if you know Brother Reggie. You know, you know yeah. Dr. Reggie? Okay. Yeah. We, we had our own political club. And we were so strong that Charlie Rangel and the big boys had to create a partnership with us and give us the vice presidency of the club as we merged, and they kept the presidency. See, the problem now is that we are not involved in the club. We leave it to the few politicians to stay in the club. No, our community was involved. It was our club. And those leaders had to report to us and answer to us. But you can't say, okay, I'm elected to your office. Bye, I got a party to go to. Hmm. All right. We've got to take control of the economic politics and culture in our community. Sending people to political office is a part of that process. But that's not the whole process. Somebody got to tell them what we want. We got to give them an agenda to carry. And we got to hold them to fulfilling that agenda. And we got to remove them when they don't. Okay? We can't leave it to the few middle class, elderly people to run the school board to run the community area board, to run the club, political clubs in our community, to run the not-for-profits, and we sit back being cool, like, why aren't y'all doing something for us? We need to join all of those organizations. If a black man and a black woman don't belong to a community organization, you should get out of that community. You don't deserve to be there. How many PTAs are we in? I, I, I was PTA president in three different schools, over eight years when my children was in school, all right? I don't think I could count the 10 black men that ever showed up. Sisters were there, but where are we? We're not, we're, we're not running the institutions we should be running to ensure the safety of our community. That means the PTA, the local school board, the community area boards, the community policy boards, Either we be a member of those boards or we be at those meetings to make sure the members serve us. Because at the end of the day, those are the organizations that get the money and the stuff from the people in the political office to distribute for different things in our community. And if you don't, if you're not organized, then other ethnic groups like the Hispanics, um, the Indians and the Arabs and other immigrants will have their organizations pulling in all of that stuff under the name of people of color and minority, and you're going to be sitting there with your hand folded and asking yourself why, because you're not organized. Kwame Teresa, get organized. Join an organization in your community. Learn how the community work. Every community in this country has a political structure. Learn how that political structure works. People got all these not-for-profits. You know how not-for-profits got so proliferated in our community? When we won the right to take over the political office, white folks had lost control of the political leadership, so they create non-for-profit organization 
to then take control of the community base that those mm. have had the answer to, and we missed it. Mm. Let me ask you this. Um, going back to you saying we have to organize, something popped up in my mind in regards to social media. And with, with what, the rise... What is, what is social media, John? You said what is social media? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm speaking of platforms like IG, Facebook, those type of media platforms. And what do they do? Um, they're for networking. But the question that I was going to ask in regards to... No, it, I, I know I interrupted your question. Mm-hmm. I did it for a purpose. You said it again. The purpose is for networking. But do we use it to do that? No, that's what I'm about to ask you about. <laughs> I know, but I just wanted you to state what it is because when you say social media, people think of almost watching shit. They don't think of this as a tool for networking and getting your information to one another about what to do about what's happening to you. So now you're going to ask your question. That's exactly why I bring up this point is because although it was started as a platform for networking, um, a lot of people feel that uh, the ego has become involved and people are more so showing off or, you know, it just becomes something different. In regards to organizing, do you think that people would be able to put aside egos? Because I feel like it's something that has now become ingrained in people. Do you think it would allow them to get together and organize in that way that's necessary? We should not pay attention to ego maniacs. If we start marginalizing them and not using their platforms, they'll disappear. Uh-huh. And use the platforms like this one with Marcia and Rahim Shabazz that's trying to do something worthy. And there are plenty like this one. And we have to make that decision. Because the bottom line is this, Marcia. Can we provide food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security for ourselves and our families? That's what all of this shit is about. That's why you go to college. That's why you get a job. That's why you're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. You have to throw it up in the end. Party say I got money. You want to have a house or at least a decent home? You want to provide food for the people in that home? You want to make sure that they got clothing. You want to make sure they're safe and secure. Right. And this is what black men and women have to wake up to. This isn't about glamour or party. This is about food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security. And that's what other people outrage us because they are clear on what what they're fighting for. Mm. Okay. They're very clear. The guy that owns the corner store from Yemen, he understands. I can wear the same old pants every day. Same old shoes every day. Because the money I'm making from the store can open me a supermarket in Yemen. Okay? The money I'm making from the store can send my son or daughter to college. And they don't have to be in this store. He's clear. It's about food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security for me and my family. That's what a lot of... We're not clear on that. See? We're not clear on that. I don't know. That's what a lot of people... um, they, They were talking about being on code. And I, I feel like that's what you're talking about. They were saying that these white supremacists or these right wingers were on code and black people find it difficult to stay on code. What do you think about that? I don't think they find it difficult to stay on code. They're just on the wrong damn code. <laughs> okay. They ain't got no difficulty. 
you look at us, go go hang walk around the community. And I've been down in, in Atlanta. On code, they're on code, they're on the wrong code. Food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security. That's the motivation for everything any human should do. Now, let me interject. To achieve that, you got to get control of the economic, politics, and culture where you live. Period. If you're not trying to achieve that, you ain't even in the game. Absolutely. Now, another thing we got to be mindful of, even though this is social media and we use it for social networking, right? Mm -hmm. And organize everything don't need to be on uh social media some things need to be behind closed doors and that's a part of the code not broadcasting or advertising strategic tactics in order for us to come together and protest or to have meeting of the minds yeah because like, see one of the things we do raheem we do too much protesting yeah that energy we put towards protesting and the money it costs to get one another out of jail in a protest, we could have bought a business with that. But what is the priority? If we're clear that the primary objective is food, clothing, shelter, safety, and security, then the next step of clarity is you must control the economic, politics, and culture where you live. And if you get clear on that, then you understand that will allow you to get control of land, labor, and resources in the community that you are, and you'll end up owning your communities, and you have no need to protest to anybody. Because you'll determine who the cop is. If you're going to put somebody in political office in your community, but you're not going to go to him with what you want, then nothing's going to happen. I tell black men, I was on a Black Panther Party program uh, a few months back, and I told them, black men should all join the army. Oh, man, people went off on me. I guarantee if we were in the army, we wouldn't have have killed 300,000 people in our community in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Okay? And here's why I'm saying that. Show me that, because so, well, we could train them ourselves. You haven't done it. <laughs> you don't have the capability of doing it. The military would teach you how to shoot a gun, teach you how to clean and take apart a gun with blindfolds on. It would teach That's- you discipline. It would teach you self-respect. Survival. It would teach you respect for others. All right? If we can't... If we don't have those rights of passage programs in place, use the rights of passage program that's in place. And that's precisely by the military. Oh, they're going to send me overseas to kill somebody. Oh, but you're cool with killing somebody down the block. All right, let me let me ask you something real quick because I don't want to get off this train of thought, right? Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to advocate, right? Because I remember when you said that, and you said that on my program too, and a couple of people was emailing me, and I was just like, okay. You know, because everybody I'm saying has it again until they give me an alternative. Okay, give me okay, an alternative. Let, 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 let's, let me play devil's advocate, right? Most of these race soldiers and those white supremacists that we seen yesterday that were descending on the uh, the capital, right? Mm-hmm. These same officers that are quick to shoot a Tamir Rice in 12 seconds are from military, the ones that's blowing up these buildings, 
Susan Lee's uh, the guy that just well, so shouldn't we learn how to blow up a few buildings and shoot a few of an enemy too? This is what I'm saying. A lot of that comes from uh, PST being in the military where within twelve. Do it look like I have PSDA? I served in the Vietnam era, and I refused to fight in Vietnam. I was in the military and refused to fight. You don't have to lose your consciousness to learn skills. Right. Would you rather continue the path to pulling the penitentiaries and the cemeteries? And if you can't offer an alternative, this let's use what's in the society to use. If you get so into ideological crap that we lose our way. In the 60s and the 70s, when I worked at City College, right, and I was a student, every year I would set up a table with the police applications and the fire applications, and hardly no black would take it. So what are you saying then? You want the white boys to police your communities? So you can go out there crying and say, he shot me. Why weren't you the cop in that community? Mm. Why weren't you the cop? You have the same opportunity to be the cop as that white boy. But you know, that's a pig. I don't want to be a pig. So what do you want to do? Go protest when the pig blow your son's brains out, crying at a microphone? That's real. We live in the United States of America. If you don't work it, it'll work you. If you don't use it, it'll use you. We leaving the Latino folks come over here, boom, they hook, they hook up on the police force, they hook up in the military, they hook their children up in the college. We still sitting on the block talking about yo, yo, yo. yo, now, yo, yo. With that though, with that, because we have a lot of targets coming to us that other people do not have. And I understand all of that. That ain't no excuse. We've been here long enough. We should control. We should be the police and the majority in every community we live in. If you're not, your enemy is going to be. So give me a rationale again. No, that. no, I agree with you. Like I feel like self-exploitation is, is rampant like in our community. And I, I do agree with you as far as taking responsibility. Uh, I'm just saying that it's a little difficult for people to come up out of it because it's a psychological thing. I don't give a damn whether it's psychological or psychological. We can come out of it when we want to get that money and go down to Hollywood. We can come out of it when we want to go to the Grammys with our little hip-hop music and shit. We know how to come up out of it. So no, we're playing. We don't want to take that responsibility to protect that community and carry that gun because our punk-ass kid will get killed. It's easy to shoot some kid down who ain't got no gun on the sidewalk. But if you had to walk that street knowing somebody may shoot you down while you're trying to protect it, where's the manhood? Well, see, this is the thing. I feel like those people are in the minority. And we have a majority people within the community who will let you die for them, who will um, allow you to suffer, who will allow you to lose your job. Because I have to admit, like for a while, I felt like that person who was sacrificing for the team. So I'm just saying, like, in a sense, when you've done that fight, you you stood up for the people, but you don't have that support. How does someone stick I've there? I've been doing it for 55 years because it's what we got to do, period. Okay. You can't even measure. No matter how heavy it is, that's what you got to carry. What I'm trying to do is take some of the burden off of me and you and Raheem. If we don't live in America, you're going to have laws. And if you're going to have laws, you're going to have cops and courts. Now, who do you want to be the cop? You or the redneck you saw 
jumped in the Capitol the other day. It's All right, so, let me that ain't quick. No let me jump in real quick. Now, here in Atlanta, there are mm -hmm. more black cops. The mayor is black. The chief mm -hmm. of police is black. I think even the the fire department, the head of the fire department is black. A lot of black people don't want freedom, right? They just want equality on the man's plantation, right? Let me finish. When I say mm -hmm. that, I say, right? This is the KRS song, Black Cop, Black Cop, right? The black cop sometimes is worse than the white cop. Absolutely. It's not Absolutely. But it, so to get rid of that worse black cop, then let me and you become the cop. We the revolution. <laughs> Let's become the cop. But so that's why I think, you know, um, even though, even 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 with the politicians, um then let me and you run for office. Why are no, we, we run for office? Yeah, like they, they think like we do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When we get in there, right, in political spaces. We are, we don't hold the best interest of the community, so sometimes it's just like, damn, man, why even put black people in office when we can't? Oh, you didn't put yourself there because you were scared to put yourself there. See, we can't. Well, sit, let, me be, let me be very clear. Of the ten black politicians you have, you got two million niggas that don't want the job. So what they complaining about? Now, if you think those people aren't doing the job. Go to the poll, vote them out, run yourself. But do you think it's a situation where a lot of the black people, if they're not backed by someone white, that black people won't get behind them? Do you still that think that may be the case? We know what the situation is, what choice you have. Give me the alternative. Well, you, if you're too you ain't gonna have no revolution with the gun, not in America. Tell you that now. So you can play it, dream it, fantasize it, and all of that. It looks good. Couple of hundred people marching around with wrong white folks dressed in black. That may intimidate some white folks we want to intimidate. But you got two hundred thirty million people in this country. It is the most well armed police state in America. And if you think you're gonna have revolution has come, we tried that shit in the sixties. And if you didn't learn from it, you're gonna keep learning from it. You have a community. Own it. That means you got to be the cop. That means you got to be the people who own the stores. You can't say, oh, those people from this place and that place doing us wrong, serving us garbage, and you right up in there passing the dollar. So basically, you're saying, oh, they messed with my mind in slavery, and I'm unconscious. You weren't unconscious when you shot that little girl down on the corner shooting at your boy because he slept with your lady. You could do that. You're conscious enough to go there. And you're conscious enough to hide yourself and nobody finds you and catches you. You're not unconscious. You are responsible. Mm. You don't want to take the responsibility to own the black community. Own it, control it, and bill it. All that other stuff ain't working. Stop the conversation of nonsense. If you don't take control of the economic, politics, culture, where you are, and this is Malcolm X. Somebody asked Malcolm, Brother Minister Malcolm, what do you mean by black nationalism? He said, black nationalism means you control the economic politics and culture where you live. He used the word social instead of culture. Now, if you don't control the economic politics and culture where you live, then you can't control the politics and the education and the sanitation where you live. Mm. 
And if you can't control those things, you can't control your quality of life. Michigan is a good example of that. I don't think Absolutely. they still have. Almost everyone in our community, Atlanta is a good example of that. You got some well-to-do, well-educated people, good middle class booming in. That's good. That's a beautiful thing. But those people earn those degrees and they sacrifice to get it and they struggle. You know, you got people in business who built those businesses and they deserve it. But we have too many who will say, if we can say, if America ain't this and it ain't that, either get on a plane and go to Africa. And then I'll see you in a month because I know your ass coming back, 90% of you. Or take responsibility to control the economic politics and culture where you live. If you can kill me with a nine or whatever else you're using, because you didn't like the way I described your t-shirt. And these cops are riding by you every day who will kick your ass on a dime and you humbling yourself like a baby in a carriage. Don't tell me nothing. Put your butt in the military. They'll teach you to be a man. Don't pretend to be a black man. What do you think about people like Dorner? Whom? Dorner. Who's Joyner? Dorner. Uh, the guy that um that was military. A, a, he was a former police officer, and when he was in there, they was giving him hell. Um, a lot of racism he faced. He exposing um, police brutality. Listen. And shot him up. You don't remember? Oh yeah, yeah. The brother. Well, he see he should have just stayed there and killed to his death. I love that brother. You know, he went up in the mountains and they trapped him in Catch-22 and burned down the cabin and shit. He should have just stayed right there and just kill all he could and then go down because he knew he was going down. But Dornan ain't the only black cop in America. I knew Chief Inspector Eddie Waits in New York, who was the chief of Manhattan North, and he was a black man. And I know Chief Eddie Waits fought for every and anything. I know Captain Seeley, and he was a black man. And he defended us in those streets. Otherwise, a lot of us would have gone to jail in the 60s. Mm. I know many, I know Ronald Broadway. When the white folks at City College went to the 28th precinct and trying to find out what they had on me so they could get me kicked out of the school and take my job as an administrator, I, that black cop covered down on me. And he didn't have to cover down on me because I captured him in an undercover situation and he almost lost his life and I saved his life. Mm. So we can't play because it ain't all like that. You know, we know there's some black dudes who are rogues, whether they're cops or preachers, okay? But are we saying that all black men become rogues if they become police? No, let me be clear. You're gonna have a police department. Either you're gonna be marching around and talking about Black Lives Matter, or you're gonna be the police and they don't need to do that. And if you're gonna tell me all black men in America gonna become rogue cops, so let the white man stay and run our community, that is not no. That don't fly with me. Uh-uh. Because we built black communities over and over in this country since we've been here. It's only recently that we fall into a socialization pattern that rejects all the elements of community building. So you know? I hear you say something along the lines of know your history and get rid of the white man's mystery. Yes. With the the invention of fake news and people creating information, how do you think that will impact history in the future? Like for people who look back on these times, 
Do you think that that would have? It'll have some impact, but just like we're doing here tonight, we're trying to bring out as much real as we can. So that's going to be the competition. Everybody doesn't succumb to the fake news. Those fools that attacked the Capitol, they're drowned in it. Okay? But they're, they're, they're less than 1% of 1% of 1% of even the white community who are racist, who mm. isn't drowned in it. My thing, I don't really care what they do. What I'm trying to say is a formula for what we should do. We need to understand that you cannot build a community if you're going to kill somebody over where they park the bicycle. And that's all a nine means to you. You cannot build a community. If you know someone is selling drugs in that community and is killing your babies and you keep your mouth shut about it, even if you had to put drop a dime anonymously, you cannot tolerate criminality and anti-African behavior from black folks and then complain when you see it from white folks. Well, do you do you think that we need tough? Do you do you think that we need tough love? Before you go into that, right? I, I'm gonna say this, right? Um, I definitely understand your views, like, and we get into a time and a critical moment where, you know, I like to say we're the holders and keepers of ourselves and responsibility, right? Um, but unless we're going to provide a way for individuals to become self-sufficient and, and be ordered to participate in owning the uh, resources in our community, right? I, I just think that um, we can't just, you know, because there's individuals that sold drugs, but they made sure people went to school, they went to college, and they looked out for the community. Element was right. Minimize the amount of death and destruction that these things are bringing to our community. There's no way. I'm not trying to minimize. I understand the victimization, but we got to stop letting victimization rule our communities. Now, either you know, you know what Mao did to to, to the addicts in in, in China. We always pray for his great revolution. He killed them. So that's what I was going to ask you. Do that. I think Mao went to the extreme. Okay, but he he saved his China. Look at his China today. China from the Chinese. But we better wake up and deal with the reality. If you can't give me an alternative, then I'm giving you one. Join the army. And that's what I'm saying. What you're saying is I've been dead 10 years ago. I, I'm going not 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, I'd have been dead because I was a drug dealer. But I was able and to. God bless you that you live in because if you were in my space at that time, I might have been the one that had tried to kill you. Much as you I probably, love you. And I love you. So that goes to say, right? I had to find my. I had no, we can't wait for everybody to find their way, Raheem. It's it's, it's 80 million people that's got to find their way. That's why there's something called unity and group development and that sort of thing. That's why we deal with the question of ethnicity and race, because you can't do it as an individual. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, if you think it should be tough love therapy or both. And it seems like you're more on the lines of tough love, militant. No, I'm on the line of reality. 
Show me an alternative that will stop the bleeding. Simple as that. Something extreme. What I'm talking about ain't extreme. My big brother was in the military. My daddy was in the military. My granduncle was in the military. My uncle was in the military. These were some of the finest black men I ever met in my life. It didn't turn them into black. Well, I don't think the military is extreme, but I'm saying killing people because they're not up to a certain standard. Well, would you rather them keep killing the other people who is up to the standard? No, I'm not saying that I disagree or agree. I'm just trying to. No, I'm just trying to make a point. In 30 years, black males murdered 300,000 other black people. I don't care whether it's post-slavery trauma, Mm. post-colonial trauma, post-drug trauma. I understand all that. What is it we're going to be able to tolerate and survive as a community? And what is it going to take? Malcolm X was in jail. Malcolm X was a drug dealer and a drug user. And he was able to turn his life around thanks to his family and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But everybody else ain't going to get that opportunity. Brother Rahim got caught up in that. Somebody and something was able to help Rahim turn himself around. I rolled with him. We've been rolling together now about a few years. And um, this is a hell of a brother here. I wouldn't have, I would have felt bad if I had to shoot your ass. I'll be honest with you, right? <laughs> but, you know, but the point I'm trying to make is we're not going to have the kind of spiritual conscious success that Raheem and Malcolm has had. If mm-hmm. you and in between. Whatever that spiritual thing that crossed their path, we know it's not crossing 90% of the path of the others. Or if it does, they're not seeing it or able to get it. So we're in trouble. So I ain't saying go around and kill the brothers and sisters. I was talking about the extreme, to how extreme other nations have gone. Okay. kind of did. What I'm saying is let's use whatever alternatives we have in the society. If you're going to stay here, you can't say, I'm going to stay here, but I'm not going to do nothing to fix here. But you're a problem to me. But how do you enforce the behavior that you want? You don't want to know that. Ah. The code of conduct. We already got a code of conduct. <laughs> no, we do, but people don't follow it. But I'm just saying, how would you enforce that? Everything is a problem. Okay, it appears that he froze. Yeah, just give it a moment because you froze on me too. So maybe he'll 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 come back. Uh, Man, uh, it was getting Cole. good. I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? I'm I'm a, um. If you can go out and then back in, who that, me? That might no, Professor Smalls. Oh, yeah. Can you just um go out of it and then come back in? Yeah, it was it, it it was getting good. It definitely was getting good. Um I think the alternative is having like-minded brothers like him that are well respected in the community. Because when he speaks, people listen. And I, I, I think he has the capacity of a max. And there's not just him, there's so many others that have the capacity of a Malcolm X, of a Elijah Muhammad, and that can turn 
this but thing see, around. You were saying it's a small percentage. It's not a large number who would make that. Hold um, on, I'm talking back in. She said, What is this? Uh, is that a comment? No, I'm bringing them back in. Add to stream. All right, good brother. Oh, you back. You back. Hold on. All right, you back. Can you hear me? His audio. Can't hear you. Your audio. Okay. Now. All right. Okay. So All right, be harsh. Let me be cool and try to keep okay. it cool. You're good. Because we scared those people. And so. We got to be careful. I forgot about this thing and the rhetoric and the words you use and stuff. Now, when you was going, right, I was saying that, you know, my what I would like to be my the alternative, which, you know, is not the reality of what it probably be, is that we have a Professor James Small. We have visuals that's like a Malcolm X that can raise mentally dead. Elijah Muhammad. You know what I mean? Like, it's upon us to save our now we know that 85 percent of the people we might not even be able to, to save and then those are the ones that has to be dealt with harshly if they don't what's the name don't say don't say because somebody they're obviously listening i'm now, not gonna say that we live in the united states of america you live in the city of atlanta it is an organization it is a municipal political structure Either you're going to run it or somebody else's will. And whoever run it, whether it's black people or white people or brown people, depending on the class, the upper look, they're going to run it for their interests. So we got to stop sitting back asking, well, what are they going to do for us? When are we going to say we are going to run it? I think okay. the lamp that by, by, by um, two Democrats in the Senate. I'm so proud of Atlanta right now. I could dance on the head of a pin. What the black community in Atlanta just pulled off, I don't think nobody in America. I was praying that y'all could pull it off. And I know it's the black American community primarily that pulled this off. And Ms. Stacey Abrams, kudos to you, my beautiful sister. You have a hell of an organizing mind. And those brothers and sisters in the NACP and the different churches and the other community organizations, because I know one person can't do this. It took a, a, the, a, the black Georgian community and particularly the Atlanta community to pull this off. And, and, and you pulled it off. But it, it still comes down, you can't change the equation. A chess board is a chess board. The chess game's got rules. There ain't too much that you can add to the chess game rules. So you gotta learn how to play chess. You can't play checkers in a chess game. Can I ask you something that might be a little bit taboo? And I'll taboo it back to you. Go ahead. And ask okay. Me. It might be taboo, and if I'm out of pocket, just no. Pass. Um, I know that you had, um, you you knew Malcolm X's family, and that he was a security guard to his sister, and you've been in the struggle for a long time. Mm. But there was something that I saw on Netflix. It was the documentary "Who Killed Malcolm X." It mm -hmm. really bothered me. Um, some, of it was fake news. some of it was fake news. 
it was fake because it really Not, tore me up. Of Most of that information has always been out here. Okay. There's only a few pieces in there that was new. The overemphasis on the guy with the shotgun and the FBI documents, the little of it that they showed. Everything else was in the public purview. Read Zach Condo's book. There's a multiple other books on Malcolm. They had all that information out here. The fundamental mm -hmm. question is why did they put that documentary out then? Mm -hmm. Why? And why, again, they were trying to point the finger back at the Nation of Islam. Nation of Islam did not kill Malcolm X. The FBI and the CIA killed Malcolm X. Now, did they use some brothers from the nation? It's obvious that they did. Raheem and I, we've been around long enough. If somebody got you on a murder beef and you're facing 50, 60 years, and they said, look, hey, you're going to do hand on this, the beef goes away. We know what happens. You know? But what was your question, Marcia? It was, he pretty much understood what I was saying because yeah. I was so yeah. upset about the picture that they painted about knowing who killed right. Malcolm X and the people and not holding him accountable. That no. really well, bothered people, me. People was talking after the fact. Okay. They know, but when he was walking around Newark, most people didn't even know who he was. It was only a few years ago that his name surfaced, maybe three, four years ago. All right. The young man who narrated it, who claimed he did all this research, he didn't do that research. They tried to get Malcolm's nephew to narrate it, and Rodney wouldn't do it, and then they got him. So that told like this was his research that they were just presenting. That's their research. And like I said, it's old research. Let me give you something. Because there was another piece out on who killed Malcolm, but it was a Netflix, right? And it told a different story. Is that the one that had the professor, the black professor was the main person in it? It was a black professor. I forget his name, though. Well, the story was nearly everybody who killed Malcolm X was killed within a month of Malcolm X. Okay. One or two got away. And only one of the, 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 the police agents got away. And that's because his double died in his place. Yeah, let them know. They know I know. They know who I am. You know, that young guy, Gene Roberts, the undercover cop, he didn't do nothing to hurt Malcolm. Mm -hmm. He was with an undercover cop. You mean the one that was in the ballroom? Right, bringing the people over. He's taking his breath away. That boy didn't do nothing like that. He didn't. That's, that's, why, that's crazy. That's, that's why he became, He was a cop. He was doing what a cop do. He was working undercover like cops do. But see, we get up in the fantasy and not understand. He didn't understand who Malcolm X was. But in the course of spying on Malcolm, I think he got very close to Malcolm, you know? But I don't think Roberts did anything to hurt Malcolm. Mm -hmm. That's why he became an alcoholic and that thing killed him. He went to try to tell his bosses, those are all in the record, that he thinks something was coming out to hurt Malcolm. Mm -hmm. And his bosses squashed it. It sounds similar so, to the Tupac situation. That's as far as his death. I talked to Pac the night before he got killed. Okay. Oh. And that was a hit. And it was it was the police, but it wasn't just the police. It was the record industry and the police. 
Tom Pac was making a move, and this is what we talked about in our last conversation, that him and Biggie was not really fighting, that that was a fake news shit to split the community, and that him and Biggie and some others were working together to take control of the distribution of rap music. Mm. They're killed for that on any day of the week. And so possibly he had the capability of pulling it off. And I told him that y'all can't do this. Y'all know y'all up against the these mafia, that mafia. And I named the ethnic group. And he said, we know that. But we got some other brothers that's in with us. And if you remember, right after the day after Big Tupac got killed, some rappers got killed in New Jersey, in Newark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make the connection. Those were his people. Sam killed for the died. same reason. Otis Redding got killed for the same reason. And probably others we don't know about. You know, distribution is where the money is in the record industry. Not recording. You don't have to use uh, distribution. Everything is digital. And I think this is leading to more wealth among these young rappers. And um, like boom. riches, not wealth. They don't know how to turn their riches into wealth because they don't have the knowledge. Wealth and to them, but what you're saying coming in, you know, the teachings of, of the messenger and the minister and Malcolm and others. Because if we can't turn the riches into wealth, we squander it and give it back to the very people we just got it from. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we come back to economic, politics, and culture. Right? Food, clothing, shelter, and safety. Controlling land, labor, and resources in the communities you live. So that you own the bank, and you own the credit union, and you own the washing mat, and you own the dry cleaners, and you own the supermarket, then your wealth keeps doing this, and everybody keeps getting rich. But if you don't own none of that, your wealth keeps doing this, going away and not coming back. Own is that. Excuse me, who phoned that? Oh, That's your... okay. <laughs> I, I was oh, totally oblivious to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, let me, let me kill Change your ringtone, brother. <laughs> That's um, not a real good one. I was oblivious. I heard that phone and didn't hear it. And um, that, was one of my, that was one of my bosses, too. But he can wait. I'll get back to him. But, see, this thing is about what Malcolm was talking about. What Elijah was talking about, what Dr. King was talking about, is that you must build and control the community you're in, not complaining why you can't. We all know why we haven't been able to, but that is not the reason why we can't. Yes, slavery, Jim Crow, oppression, racism. So we're going to sit on the corner crying about why we couldn't? Or we're going to figure out how do we beat Jim Crow? How do we beat racism? How do we beat this? And and that's what we need to be doing. And what our leaders told us is you got to get control of the economic, politics, and culture where you live. To get control of that, you got to manage your money and how you spend it. To get there, you got to learn your history so you can develop self-worth and self-value and self-esteem. So you have respect for the life of your brother and your sister, and you won't take it because you're angry because his shirt is yellow and yours is gray. Mm. That's the level of that animal. So how do you feel about uh, Dr. Claude Anderson and his book, 
Power I think Claude has a lot of good solutions in his book, Claude, who he's an extraordinary uh, researcher. He has a history and a background um, that lets you know that what he has written is worthy of reading and practicing. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Anderson has written a number of documents that we should all study and learn. I see Raheem trying to find his book right now. Um, oh, I got that book. Yeah. And so Dr. Anderson's book should be a must-read, but then we have to practice. So I suggest what we set up in our communities as a first step. Some people are way past the first step, right? Um, they're, people, they're Black people opening businesses right now. They're Black people opening Black banks and credit unions right now. We ain't all docile. We ain't all dead. But we're not a small group. We're a big group. We're nearly 70 to 80 million people. Right. If we got 3 million in trouble, the 70 to 80 million is in trouble. You understand? Because that 3 million in trouble going to prey on the, the rest of them, drive them out of the community for safety and fear for their life and the welfare of their children. If you're going to control your community, you got to control all aspects of that community. And then we come back to that police thing. Mm. Are you going to rationalize that you could carry a gun and shoot one? You ain't scared to have a gun, but you have your enemy police in your community and you try to rationalize that. Can't rationalize that. Because if you can play with this gun and kill your own people, then you can police your community and save the life of your people with that same gun. So do you think that they should go towards defunding or do you have another? Defunding is a ridiculous notion. Every society in the world from the beginning of time have had some element that protected themselves, whether we call them warriors, soldiers, whatever, police, whatever. Um, there's some things that can be defunded because a lot of the money that's going to the police departments aren't going for law enforcing, aren't going for community service, is going for benefits and things for them. So there's some defunding, but you're going to defund the police, then what you're going to do? What I you gonna do when the gunslinger take over the community? But like, yo, we defunded the cop. You can be cool now. No, that not work. We live in the real world. We live in social societies. We live in organized political structures and economic structuring, and you've got to manage it. Policing is just one element of that management. What you need to do is be the police. And you wouldn't be talking about defunding. And don't tell me about the one or two or three or five corrupt black cops. We got corrupt black preachers. We got corrupt mm. black rappers. We got corrupt black lovers. So don't tell me about no corrupt mind. Yes, you're going to have that until you figure out how to handle that. But right now, you've got the, 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 the what do they call themselves? The bad boys, the good boys. What do they call themselves? <laughs> you got Probably. them. Probably. The, you got the Proud Boys police in your community. Tell me what sense that makes. They don't control police our community. Tell me what sense does that make. You don't uh, think they on the force? Police officers, yeah. But as far as them in the civilian life, they ain't doing it. But listen, I want to say one thing before you start again, right? Um, the um, See, I, I was trying to get it in and kept talking. I was damn near not what I was going to say. Okay, okay. I wanted to ask you about your friend. Um, remember your friend Kalanji? I know you remember because that's your friend. But yeah. 
he brought up something. It wasn't defunding the police. He had another term, and I can't quite. He said defund the police and stop playing gyration games because you'll never oh, you be you be in court and political thing for the next twenty years while you're still getting shot down like dogs. Why can't if we want to be smart? Why can't we set up a a, a a study course, teach these young black men to pass that police exam, and send hundreds of them to flood the police exams? All right, let me say something, right? Now I know what I want to talk about, right? Um, the, the whole notion of defund the police is not that the police don't exist on no level at all. You correct in what you said. We are going to need police in the community. Hopefully it can be black police. I can agree with that, right? But this Hopefully is it thing. better be or nothing's going to change. All right, but this is my thing, right? Police shouldn't be called on a homeless man that's sleeping under the underpath, right? Police that. We can deal no, with all that detail stuff. But the fundamental is they are the armed militia in your community. Now, do you yeah. want the armed militia to be the white supremacists? Or do you want to be that armed militia? Now, what you do or don't do, that's the details of the community policy. Let's talk yeah. who's going to be that armed militia. Okay, I got it. So, in, in, in closing, right, I want to say that right, mental health... Closing? Mental you trying health. to kick me off? No, 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 no. I'm closing my comments because you didn't let me finish. Oh, oh, so, so mental health is not a criminal element or uh, criminal uh, offense, having mental health. I don't think the police should be called on that. that should be I, agree. I agree. I agree 100%. Be defunded from the police. Need to go to those. There's a lot of things we can defund, but we can get so caught up on the defunding, we forget to take the police exam and become the cop. That's my point. No, this is this is we've been for years trying to have it where any police officer that controls the community got to live within a five mile radius. Right, but, but we it, know, of course that we've been out there partying. Come on, let's deal with it. We've been out there partying. We're aiming back in the shit up and making sure these things get enforced. You know, we got We tried it in New York under one mayor and the next mayor came and reversed it and we didn't follow through. Had we followed through, you know, because we caught the cops, like one of them would get an apartment and 20 of them would have their name on there that they were the address and still living in the suburb. I'm coming back to the fundamental, Raheem. If the black man wants to be safe, then he needs to run his own community. That means he needs to be the cop. So that means that we would have to work on the cultural thinking of you the You can community. do all that while you're going along, but right now I'd rather have a, a culturally backwards black dude. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean, I mean, in our society, we've been taught to stay clear of law enforcement because they're against the people. So I'm saying Even that's we have myth. to change our you know, minds we, about we've that. We've made that the big myth since Trayvon's death. That I, I, I've been there 75 years. That's not what we've been taught. Oh. It became a part of the false news myth. Mm. Uh, I have to talk to my son. How many Negroes have such a conversation with this? Stop lying. Okay? Let's deal with what's real. We need to be the cop. How do we get there? All these young black men that's going into high school, most of whom will not go to college, 
because we haven't ensured that the high school teach them anything. So they're getting out of high school in the 12th grade with a fifth grade or third grade reading level. They ain't going to nobody's college. Most of them ain't got no family or business for them to go into. So they can either be at the McDonald's of the world or they're going to be in trouble in the streets. Now, why don't we go into those schools and say, listen, one of the things we want to do is offer training and taking civil service exams to any young black male that want to learn. We will have after school tutoring and weekend tutoring and teach you how to pass that civil service exam. And when you come out, you can choose to take it for the fire department, city hall, or the police department. And then we're going to back you up. We're not going to, while you're sitting in there taking a civil service exam, we're going to teach you some black history. We're going to teach you about your culture. We're going to teach you about the politics of the city. And then when you go up for the exam, we're not going to let them knock you out and say on the psychological. We're going to follow you. And if they try to knock you out on what the so-called psychological, we're going to back you up and defend you. But it's got to be a concerted effort. Right. Either we're going to take control of the economic, politics, and culture in our community, or the enemy will keep control. Hey, one year we had one Yemeni store in our community, and three years later they own half of Atlanta. Come on, man. Come on, man. All these black people down there talking about how smart they are and all the degrees they got and all the black colleges, and you can't come up with a structure to keep the black community in the hands of black people. Morehouse, Spellman, Brown, Morris, this, this, stop it. Yeah, I want to do something real quick. Your duties. I want to read some of these comments, right? Because we've been getting a lot of comments. I want to shout out. So that I meant to evoke some comments. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't want to mess some of y'all name up, but uh, last name Brooks, Said, peace family, great to see you, Baba. Uh, Gordon, uh, Jennings, uh, all right, just Gordon. All right, Raheem is the old school name, Carlos. You favor him, no, my Carlos. My name is actually Raheem. All right, Raheem Shabazz. Uh, I don't know what you uh, some of y'all got spelling right. Uh, uh, greetings from the UK. Okay. Um, Knowledge and wisdom that Professor Small dropped. Oh, I love the knowledge and wisdom that Professor Small dropped. Uh, Susie uh, Wade, what's up, Susie? She said, if you're talking about losing a job, you already lost. I'm just saying. And then she comes back and said, money is to be put and recycled in the community before you put it anywhere else. Ashe, sister. Uh, someone said, wow, such knowledge. Peace, black family must rid the community of all narcotic units. They are the major drug dealers in the inner city. Okay. Preach, Professor Small. Um, what else? Real talk, dropping the truth. Stop playing around and listen to them. That's right. Listen to them. I love this idea. Um... The six most important words ever spoken. We need to be, <laughs> we need to be the cop. Professor James Smith. Good teachings. Uh, I greeted Brother Paul at Brother Hashim's homecoming. Okay. Yeah, I say nothing about me and Marcia. 
We get it. Well, I we think you, I think Marcia is gorgeous, brilliant, and intelligent, and I think you're smart, organized, and on the point. Okay. But you know, remember, let's come back to the essentials again, Marcia. We live in. Okay. Let's just make Atlanta. We live in Atlanta. It is a municipality. It has a definition. It has a structure. It has bodies that run it. It has bodies that run the sanitation, that runs the park department, that runs, um, you know, um, the police department, the fire department, the health department. We've got to say, okay, then let us be the people that run all these damn departments. Okay? And the police mm -hmm. is one of them. It's essential because that's the armed militia. Okay? And so we have been saying, Let's change them. We ain't going to change them, people. We ain't going to reform them. Even if we defunded them, we still ain't going to reform them. And even if black folks were there, we still have to defund some of that mess. Mm -hmm. And some of the things Raheem was talking about for the mentally ill and other people, the homeless and so forth, have a different kind of agency handle their issues. But let us take control of the communities we live in. And that including everything. Because if you don't control the police, you can't control your business. Because he can decide whether to guard it or let it get robbed. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you got to be in control. That's the economic politics and culture. Land, labor, resources. To provide right. food, clothing, shelter, safety. Those nine things we can never, ever forget. They should be a part of our discussion every time we discuss. Then we can look at the essential things. Come back to that thing in D.C. We know what's playing. We know you don't have 30,000 people in your street for two days raising hell, right? And you ain't got no cop at the thing they tell you they're coming to really raise hell in. So somebody did a stand-down thing to let them do their thing. They probably didn't expect anybody would get killed. They probably didn't think, you know, some of them would wild out. And they thought they could go back and go like, yo, we took it over, yo, yo, yo. Well, now that ain't how it is. How do, you think, how do you think the landscape of politics would change if Black people did have their own major political party? By the time you build the major political party, your great-granddaughter will be dead, okay? Ooh. You already took over the Democratic Party. Act like you own it. And not letting one little white ethnic group from Northeast America be your boss. Nancy Pulaski. None of their name or their religion or ethnic group. We all know who they are. But don't you think they're too intertwined in the mess? You're not listening. How often have we tried to build this political party and the, the Black Pioneer Party and the Black This Party? Let's deal with Bush Real. There's a house here. All right? You got a bunch of sick, corrupt people in it. There's a piece of land over here. So you can decide, I'm going to build another house even though there ain't no trees in the area, right? I'm going to take over that damn house and put them suckers out. Hmm. We already took over the house. You just prove it in Atlanta. You just got to act like it. We win games and act like we lose. If we tell them suckers, we proved it with Hillary. We said because of what you did and because of the way Barack didn't answer our situation, we ain't voting. You think black did. people did that? I did it. I ran my granddaughter for president. 
and I voted for her. She was my write-in candidate. And a lot of black folks said, we ain't supporting her because of the history they had had with her, her husband, and with Brother Obama. So listen, people- Democrats lost big time. And that's what got in there. And that's why they treated us quite different this time. You saw how many black women, they ain't put the brothers up in a lot of it yet, but we need the sister up front right now. You saw how many black women is handling and running that Democratic Party, was handling and running Biden's campaign, was handling, who, where do you think the money came from to Stacey and all the others to do all this voting? You think it floated down out of the air? Well, I just think she lost because white people didn't support her. They were over her ass. That that was, see, even though they didn't support her, she could have won had we supported her. I don't think that we should take the blame for that. Our voting dropped three, three. well, I said 3%. Um, my brother historian says 6%. Somewhere between 3 and 6%, we declined in voting for her. All right? White, no, no, no. white women yeah. are banning her like 20-something percent. You know, but we could have still beat them because we just proved it. We stepped up in Atlanta and did something that historically has never been done in the history of America. Hold on, let me let me interject, right? We did that sister out of that out of that um that position, right? Because the Brian Kemp, who actually won, he was over the the whole voting process. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah they was plunging, they was expunging, uh, purging the votes, hundreds of thousands of votes. Everybody do that every year. I worked in politics every year. Everybody steal, lie, knock people off the ballot. That's part of the game. Yeah, but she didn't lose because I vote for her at three percent. You talking about Stacey? No. Now, I'm saying, listen to what I'm saying. We're doing the defense thing. Listen to what I'm saying. You had more people turn out in Atlanta for these last two runoffs Mm -hmm. than any runoff in the history of Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. In 16. Okay. A lot of people felt we don't have anything worthy to vote for. In this case, they felt we got something worthy to vote for, and black people stepped up in a way we did. When Obama ran, that was black folks. I worked in politics all my life in Harlem, and I never saw a line outside the building. When Obama ran, the line came out the building, in the schoolyard, around the corner, down the block, and around the corner again, mostly young black men and women. Absolutely. Okay. So what I'm saying, we have a power that we don't ever fully exercise. You just fully exercise it in Atlanta in a way it probably has not been exercised in any single place in a non-national election in the history of the country. And you change the dynamics of whatever this new government is going to be for four years. And you know I have to push back for one second because I don't feel, I'm just being honest real quick, I don't feel that black people was really for Joe and Kamala all like that. I think they were really against Trump, to be honest. I don't believe that. I believe that was some of it. A lot of people was against Trump. I think Biden, the only thing, you know, people always show Biden when he's reading this thing about the crime bill. Okay. But I also saw Biden when he took on the whole white Congress in defense of fighting for Nelson Mandela and apartheid. 
And I also saw him in a lot of other places. Yeah, he's a white man. All white people are white, but most, both of you are white racists. You don't know it because that's the culture. And so white folks, racism is their culture, is their value system. We trying to argue to change something and we don't even know what it is we need to be changing. What we need to change is behavior of black people. Move ourselves away from being the white supremacist, white cultural racist that we are. That's why we allow all these harmful things to happen to ourselves. Because we don't see the white man in ourselves, the white racist we are. Okay? I don't want to call a plain tip for tap, just good white guy, bad white guy. No. Anybody with any sense would know that Biden would make a better president than um, who, who was running against him. Ms. Kamala Harris, yes, she was a district attorney. So you're saying black men and women shouldn't become district attorneys? They shouldn't become attorney generals? It's more to it. Black people it's in jail? Is that what we what? say? That's like saying it's, black people shouldn't become cops because you got to arrest black people. It's what nah. she did with what did she do? She, nah, what did she I, do? Did she make the laws of California or did she enforce it? Huh? She went, she, beyond, the she went beyond the, the call of duty. On the incident of that lady and the children, you see that shit happen in Georgia every day. She but over enforced doing it for political office. We don't hear that story. Okay. So that's the real. She over enforced the laws when it came to black people. That I don't believe that. And I know many black people that know her personally and know her and count. I'm talking about black people in the movement who've been in there for decades. She was a good district attorney and she was a good attorney general. And that's why you should be a district attorney. We should have made sure we didn't make ourselves available to her. I agree with that. You know, but we, we need to be able to stop making ourselves available to the police. Yes, they're going to kill some of us, whether we're available or not. But too many of us play in making ourselves available. As though he ain't gonna do nothing. You just heard he killed your cousin last week, but you gonna go to yo man, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? That's stupid. Let's wake up. Let's stop using the term black or Africa unless we mean it. Let's grow up. If we're gonna control our community, let's take control. And stop talking about why it ain't working. Go fix it. Become a part of it. While I was in the OAU and the Muslim mosque, I was in the NAACP. I was in SNCC. I worked with the Black Panther Party all at the same time. And I never missed a year voting since I was 18. Even I had on the black beret, black leather jacket, pistol across my shoulder and rifle in my hand, I still voted. And I still built my political club in my community. And I still went to my PTA meetings. And I still had children. And I still raised them. And I still had a wife. And I still went on made love and do all the things brothers do. You streets to do the other things we had to do. The point I'm making is simple. If you're gonna be free, you got to control the economic, the politics, and the culture where you live. I don't care how you get there. If you can get there by gunslinging, then go ahead and do it. But that ain't got us there. If you're going to be a black man in the community, you better have a skill. You better be, if you're coming out of high school and you can barely read and you can barely write and you ain't got the money for college, even if you can do real good at those things, you better learn how to be a computer tech. 
some kind of lab tech, a plumber, a carpenter, a house wirer, etc. Now, if you ain't got those things in place, those vocational educational skills and tech skills in place, then all you're doing is putting, let me talk about prison, what is called school to prison pipeline. Why are we allowing school to prison pipeline? Why? Right. All these other communities ain't doing it. You walk into any of these little training things and you see little Hispanic women up in their training. So we may say, oh, I don't know. But when you go to your doctor's office, who's standing up there greeting you as the receptionist? Taking home a paycheck to her children. You call to have somebody come pick your plumbing? Dude from Yugoslavia, Gigoslavia, and some other place in Central South America rolling up to your house bidding to do your plumbing and fix you. And your son is standing on the corner going like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> you know, no, man. I want to be the plumber. I used to be a plumber. I cannot plumb any plumbers out here. You know, I work with a group up here in New Rochelle. We call a gathering of men. And we have a little program we call the Booker T. Washington, um, the Booker T. Washington Vocational Training, da 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 da. We'll be trying to get work with the unions so they can take our kids on as apprentice for carpentry and house wiring and painting and that sort of thing. We got to do that all around the country. Every house needs a plumber, every house needs an electrician, every house needs a painter. You understand? And we've left all of this to some other ethnic group to come in our neighborhood when we do have money to do this work for us while our people are unemployed. You know? Yeah. Right. So we've got to take over economic, politics, and culture where we live. Land, labor, and resources will then come under our control, and we can provide food, clothing, shelter, and safety to our families. That's what this is about. Now, I said, join the army. Imagine if all the black men in America joined the army, you know how it would scare the hell out of the rest of this country? Because all y'all would come back knowing how to use all these weapons. Y'all would know how to make bombs. You know what I'm saying? Y'all would be disciplined and know how to band together as a unit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yo, they would change the. um, They would change the goalposts. If we was all join the army, they'll Mm -hmm. make regulations. You then, can't be then, over. You, then, you, then you challenge the regulation. Everything we've got, we fought for it. We I, fought I, in the military. We fought the way I had naturals, and we went to court in the military, me and my comrades, and when they convicted us and said we had to cut it, we refused, and it took $50 a month out of our paycheck for the rest of the time we were in there. We paid that $50. We weren't making about something a month or whatever. We were getting paid nothing. So sacrifice. Discipline. The price of freedom is death, Malcolm said. Paying fifty dollars was nothing, you know. You know, we've had a discussion many times on the show about um, people sleeping white, like if they're for the cause. Like, what is your position on that? Say it again. She she, she's saying that um, can't talk black or sleep white. Interracial relationships. What are your thoughts? What is your yeah? What's your thoughts on it? You know, my thoughts have changed over the years. Uh-oh. Huh? I no, said, uh-oh. No. 
if we can't, we got to make sure we take the right position. So, what is what is what is speaking black? You know, we haven't like, decided what being black is. You know, my thing is, no black man or black woman should marry any white person under the conditions based on the history we just came out of. But I know how unrealistic that is. I say unrealistic, and people are going to. Because we had a whole movement for almost 50 years about integration. And we have done nothing to reverse that culturalization. And it was happening before that. Black women and white men were marrying each other since the 1600s. You know? Could you take a moment, if you could, and just explain why, like what you mean, you know, because of what we came out of, like our condition? I'll make it simple. I don't have to take a moment on that. How many black people would expect a Jewish person to marry a Nazi? That answers the question. Mm, That's yeah. all I'm saying. So Ain't, nothing Ain't nothing complicated about what I'm saying. Our relationship to white people in general is worse than the Nazi relationship was to Jewish people in particular. So if we can accept that that relationship shouldn't exist, then we should really accept that our relationship shouldn't exist at that level. Do you think we're delusional, though? Huh? Do, you think, do you think that we are delusional? Do you think that we don't think the relationship has been that bad? No, I think we have a religion of our enemy that has made us very sick in how we measure relationships mm. with other people. You can't have the murderer's religion, the rapist's religion, the genocide religion and not be a murderer, rapist, and genocide on yourself too. And that's just that. That's the way that works. Wow. It's real. Mm-hmm. But we want to pretend, well, you know, um, if I want if you want me to accept what you've been doing, not how can would you ask again a Jewish person to accept the Nazi standing beside him with his swastika and his gun? Stop being silly. But we don't see ourselves. That's because we don't understand our history. Do you think that's psychological abuse on their part? Partly. Partly. We've been through a lot of years of this. But part of it is is, is us not taking responsibility. Even if I met someone white and I fell in love with them, I would never mate with them or marry them because I got a responsibility to the historical experience of my ancestry and to my history and race. That's right. Now, so listen, comrades and friends who I've worked with over the years, some have saved my life. I had white cops save my life on more than one occasion. What am I supposed to do? Say he's a devil? No, I accept that occasion. He saved my life and my children's life. I'm battling one white policeman holding the gun and holding the stick, one baby strapped to my chest, two babies fighting on the side. When another white com- cop come and put his stick around that white cop next and take his gun and tell me, Mister, get out of here with your children. Mm-hmm. This is in the middle of a riot at the Sydenham Hospital. What am I supposed to call that? One? I don't know him. I don't know who he was. Never saw him again. You want me to tell you? Or on my knees behind the gas station in Orange County, California, with with a thirty eight to my head. When another carload, two carloads, pull up with some feds and some others, and stopped it. You know where the 77 precinct is in Orange County, California, back in the day? Yeah. That was death zone. Mm. 
You know, because I sign a confession saying I had a million dollars worth of dope and two stolen guns from the Oakland Armory. So, you know, but the point I'm making is that we can't become them to justify fighting them. See, and we got to be very careful about that. Either you're the human or you're the devil. If you're the devil, just join them and go on and have fun. Now, if you're the human, you got to set different kind of parameters, but you have to do it based on history and reality. I'm not a devil. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to act out of his animus. I want to act out of my humanity. But I have to learn that I got to protect that humanity from his animus and his racism. But I'm not going to become him to do that. Because I think my humanity and my Africanness allow me to do that without becoming him. That's why I said, let me become the cop. Give me the shotgun in my car on the dashboard. Give me the 357 on my waist. Give me the vest. Let me be in that car, okay? Instead of me walking down the street scared because he in the car. That's all. That was, that was a good point right there, right? I want to interject because we are pushing up. Well, we actually over the hour, hour and a half uh, mark. Um, I just want to say that um, when you was describing uh, the officer that told the other officer to remove the billy club from around your neck, I just want to say that a John Brown comes around every 600 years. So well, we don't have time for them yeah. John Brown to come around. I don't think that John Brown sent them because I don't think John Brown was there to help black folks to start with. John Brown was a part of a movement called the Jayhawkers. He was trying to keep slavery out of Kansas so poor white people could own land and have their farms and make a profit. Mm. And the only way he can do that was to lie with us to keep slavery from coming into Kansas. That's what the whole story of Bloody Kansas is all about. Not about him trying to save black folks. See? Mm. Yeah. And then yeah, he went on the ride after he hit over Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. And both Tubman and Douglass told him the thing had already been uncovered and begged him not to raid Harper's Valley that night, but he was being the super white boy and did it anyway and got everybody killed. Anyway, yeah, got everybody. So I ain't it? a big John Brown fan, you know, John Brown, Martin, I ain't into that shit. I understand who he was and why he was. All I'm saying is that young white man, that's not the first. You know, I had a white brother, his name was Ray Roberts. He was my commanding officer in the Navy. When the other crackers in town railroaded me into the military, even though I had a scholarship, he went to Baton after three months of active duty. He got me out of the military. So there are people you can work with that has a human space, you know. Um, when we get, but what I'm saying, see, there's a political experience and a historical experience we had with white people in America and the world around slavery and colonialism. That informs how I will treat them. Mm. You understand? No matter how good they are, nice they are. The point is I have a historical experience that informs me of what your possible behavior would be towards me under certain circumstances. And I can't give you that leeway to do that and be that. And that's why I say when we let them come and be the cops in our community and think that's cool, we've given them that leeway. And I say, take it back. Take it back. Yep. Well, time is taking us back and we are running very low on it. So I want you to... Um, but in closing, I want you to let, because a lot of people don't know, you know, we look at Professor James Small, a black historian that been through the turbulent 60s, and he was there at every historical moment, 
And people don't know that in addition to you, because um, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, you also an entrepreneur and um, you have several businesses. I want you to talk about um, your your lounge. That's not, not a lounge, the resort. It's a resort that you have right. over um, in the Ivory Coast. I want you to talk about that and then also let people know about um, some of the things you have come, going on. I know you're supposed to be on a couple of rappers' records, and um, you're going to be back on the uh, um, the TV show that you was on. So let everybody know what's going on with you. Wow, you almost make me sound like I might be famous one day if I live long enough. To say <laughs> well, no, I've always been in the business. You know, my first business was uh, vending. I used to sell T-shirts, sweatshirts. The Malcolm X shirt, by any means necessary, that's originally my shirt. I own the copyright in that shirt. But people took it and went with it, and that was cool. You know, but when my children was baby, I had them all at the vending table when they couldn't even reach out the table, put the shirts in the bags and stuff. And then I had a bookstore near City College, Uptown Bookstore. And that worked well until crack overran the neighborhood. And I walk up one day and some dudes was trying to rob my son, but I always traveled with my pet, and so I got the drop on them. But I didn't want to see my babies get killed over a bookstore, so I closed that. And then we started a travel thing, cultural heritage travel, cultural heritage African tours is my travel company, and African Dreamer Tours is my partner. So for 35 years, that business, we've been doing tours to and from Africa, all over Africa. Um, and then in Ghana, me and 80 of my comrades, now five of us are the primary investors, meaning we put 100000 200000 thousand and where others may have only put two thousand or five thousand. We own a hotel called Mustana Lodge Hotel um in Cape Coast, Ghana. It's a 30 room, three star swimming pool, conference hall, pool bar, cocktail level, full kitchen, full restaurant. Um and we've had it for 15, this is going into 16 years. You know, because of the COVID we closed and we're trying to come back out again now. That's why we have a GoFundMe called Sana Lodge. Um, GoFundMe Sana Lodge Hotel Development Fund. So if anybody want to contribute to that to help us get back on our feet, um, it's a beautiful resort. And you see the pictures, you go like, damn. Yeah, and it's ours. It's fully paid for. We don't owe a dime on it. We paid a million dollars, which we raised in two years and bought it. We have a lease on the land for 66 more years. And as long as we got the business, the lease will renew, renew itself. And so it's one of the largest African-American business in Cape Coast, Ghana. Wow. Um, at our height, we employed 47 people from the local community um, to run that facility. And right now we have a skeleton crew that's running it. And we've given 10 rooms to the government to help them house the students that have to be quarantined because of COVID on their way back to college. Wow. And we didn't charge them anything. We just said pay off our back bill, which they did. Um, and we're trying to get reopened with the other 10 rooms. It's a 30-room complex. Um, but like I said, we have swimming pool, a big full-size swimming pool. We have a cocktail lounge. We have a pool bar. We have a massive patio space. We have a conference center, one conference hall, hold 175, one 150, one 100, and 150. We have a gym and rec room. And so it's a hell of a spot. You know, and we and, and and we pulled it off, but just mortgaging our homes or raising money with our families, 
pooling our monies together and bought it like that. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to um give the spelling because you said uh sauna. Oh, yes, A N A A. Do it one more time. N A A Sana. Like Sana. That's yeah. Sana Lake. Yeah. Right. Sana Lodge Hotel Development Fund. It's a GoFundMe fund. So anything a dollar does enough people giving a dollar will allow us to do what we have to do to try and get back open up again by the end of March. Um, because COVID in Ghana has been very low, but in the beginning, everything closed, you know, and every bit all the business dried up because people were expecting to work. But over there, they're using a lot of traditional medicine, they're doing good, you know what I'm saying? They're not going through, they're practicing. You know, wearing the mask and the distances, and especially in the urban centers, but they don't. I don't think they had two hundred deaths. Okay. And that's extraordinary. Like yeah, most. That, that, yes. So no, I've been in business all of my life. You know, um, I believe we should be in business. You know, um, I think that. Um, Developing credit unions should be a path where we can look at. Don't don't try to get the big bank like the city bank. Develop a credit union in your community, and it doesn't take much to do it. And guess what? The federal government will train you for free on how to set up a credit union. Oh. Okay. And you don't need the money up front to set up a credit union. You simply need the pledge of the money. Mm. So people need to study how do you set up a credit union in your community, you know, and then create your organization and register yourself as a corporation and take the step. If we're going to be free, we got to own where we live. We got to own the economic, the politics and the culture where we live. You know? Now, also, what about the, um... Raheem? Yeah. I'd rather get pulled over by your son. You go, hey, Uncle James, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Then you get pulled up by the boy. Get out. Get your hands on your head. And then shoot me. Yeah. I to put my hand on my head. You know what I'm saying? Now, the movie you was in, I mean, the um, the next oh, right. Special. I'm working on the project with Forrest Whitaker. The project is called uh, Godfather of Harlem. I'm yeah. the, that's who was calling me on the phone. It was uh, the, the executive producer, Atkinson. But I'll call him back. Um, so I, I'm the consultant on that project. We've done 10 episodes. It's on Epic. We're working on another 10 episodes now. Um, it's a very interesting thing. And then I did another piece for Epic ABC. Um, it's called By Whatever Means Necessary. Mm. It's four episodes of the culture, the music, and the politics of Harlem. But myself... What are you um, doing in there? Are you just a consultant or are you actually appearing in there? No, I'm appearing in the, by whatever means necessary, which is the docu piece that we did. It's four episodes of that, but on the movie, I'm the consultant, which is a lot of work because sometimes I have this much script to read every week and to know that's the not the way black people say it. Nope, those words wouldn't come out of our mouth. Oh, that's not the way Sister Betty would dress. You know, those are not the kind of pictures that she should be up on the office. And that sort of thing. I know you can't put Malcolm in a scene where it looks like he's having an affair because that's not who he was. Well, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or even just give him the historical yeah. life of the time, you know. Yeah, um, with the new 
But the new one, you said, say the name of it again. But by, by whatever means necessary. And that's 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 being shot in Harlem, right? Yeah, we did that. In, we did that in Harlem. The the main movie is called starring Park Whitaker. That's called The Godfather of Harlem. Yes, yeah, I, I seen that already. I seen all episodes. I was talking about the new one. The well, new well, you know, whatever means necessary. That's four yeah. episodes. It's also okay. epic on the Epic Channel. It's very all interesting right. because you got Martha and the Vandellas in there narrating with us. You got her, her Boyd. You got um, my favorite. Um, oh, Lord, I'm say she's my favorite. I forget. Gladys Knight, the most beautiful black woman on the planet Earth. God, that woman, well, even as an older lady, she's still the most beautiful woman I've met. Outside of my wife. My wife is the most beautiful woman on the planet Earth ever. Um, you've got um, Reverend Sharpton is narrating a part of it. Um, and, and a few others. It's a fantastic piece on the history and color. We have a lot of the old footage, which they've cleaned up and presented very beautifully. On the music, well, you got Max Rose, Abby Lincoln, a host of others in there. You know. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. And what about, um, aren't you appearing on uh, um, a song from a very well-known rapper? I know you told me about it. Can you let yeah. you know? Well, yeah, they, they pulled it back. I don't know why. They didn't let it out um, at the last minute. The album came out, which didn't do that well. But it's with it's with um, Burner Boy in Nigeria, and the song is "Weren't You There?" And I'm doing a narration about the Berlin Conference and the invasion of Africa by all of the European nations. And so, they made it's a beautiful piece. But I think some politics got up in there, and they took that single out. They said they might run it as a single. And I was talking about that today on Susan Pata's show in Germany, because we were broadcasting all over Africa that they needed to have Brandon Boy to put that piece out. It's a bad piece of music. I want to hear it. You know, you know, they I had to make a promise. I had to make a promise to be the only one to listen to it and erase it, and I kept that promise. You know? ah. So, but I'm hoping that they decide to bring it out as a single, you know. Okay, okay. So in closing, Marcia, you're going to close with the last words. You got anything you want to ask uh, Baba Professor James Small, or you just want to give us some uh, inspiration and closing words? I really don't have anything uh, more inspirational than what I just heard today. Uh, I just want to thank you once again for coming on the uh, program and all of our viewers and listeners joining us today. And I can't wait to have you back on. Well, so thank you again. I'm honored that you asked me to be on your program. I'm honored Brother Rahim reached out to me. You know, I met you doing the, the piece um, and I came down to Hashim's funeral and then Tariq's uh, program. And so I'm just impressed by you, respect you, honor you. Um, of course, Raheem know how I feel about him. I can adopt him and he'll just be the other one of my sons. Um, but anytime you want me on, I'm always contentious sometimes. You know, people think I'm going to be gentle all the time, but I'm not always. But sometimes I'm real gentle and smooth. Right? But um, sometimes it's good to be contentious because I want a certain energy raised mm. and um but I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing and wish y'all more success in doing so and anything I can do to help you or even uh refer you to other scholars who I really think fit the mode that y'all are doing 
um, for you to get your work done. Please Speaking do. Speaking of that, we, we, we are in short demand, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to just keep having the masculine energy on here, right? Right. I, I want some divine feminine energy. Oh, I think I'm you gonna... have some divine feminine. You need to bring my little sister on right now, and then her name is Queen Diambi. She's the queen of the Congo, the queen okay. of the society of lepers. She's the one who just ascended the stool of Queen Nzinga. No one has been on that, that throne since Nzinga's death. Um, she was one of my former students. I'm her guardian father on this side. Um, very powerful sister. Well, you need to set that one. up. Huh? You need to set that up. You. No, I'm going to drop you the number tomorrow, and I'm going to tell her she needs to be on the show. Um, she's right. so she'll be on the show. And who then uh, Aina Bello. Oh, yeah, so, I know who that is. Okay. We got I'll send you that number tomorrow. I think Mama Bello is an absolute must. Um, yeah. And then um, Danto. You know Isolé Danto? Nah, I don't know she, that one. She's an international human rights lawyer, but she's also an activist and historian out of Haiti well-learned in the culture. And um, so I'll send you those names tomorrow. All you have to do is tell them All my right. names. Yeah, and I'll do the research on them because, yeah, we definitely need to, um, you know, can't just have the masculine energy. We got we, we to we keep the mix in there. And so. My daughter will tell you that the women is the power mm -hmm. that give men authority. See, men mm. think authority they have power no power gives authority and that's african culture okay okay in any traditional society the queen mother picks the king not the men mm. well thank you again thank okay. you so much for everything that you've done and everything you said to us today raheem you have anything else Nah, that's it. I want to say peace and Black Power family. Make sure that you go, man, um, and support our dear brother's um, hotel resort. The last time he was on the program, I made sure that I made it, and that's going to be customary for me. I'm going to dig into my little bit of wallet, and I'm going to drop some change on the brother. Make sure y'all do the same. I yeah, I'm going to catch it right here, which he I'm did. I'm telling people I'm going to catch That's a joke. <laughs> For his movement, and if I can throw some change on it, and to you all that me. Up, you know, he you know, Atlanta, he picks me up, he drives me around. When we're in a yeah. location, weekend, he takes me everywhere I need to go. So That's you're my brother, good. you're my son. There's a lot of people in here. They are praising you. They got real nice things to say about you. Sometimes, guess what? Instead of saying with our mouth, we got to say it with our wallet. So listen, he takes the chains that jingle, but he wants the dollar that fold. Get online, man. Send send our good brother uh um some 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 money on that um on that on that GoFundMe and also the cash app development fund on our large hotel development fund S A N A A Sana. And the word actually means the place of the wealth. When you'll see some of the places, it is a beautiful place. It is our place. If you make it to Ghana and you were broke and you had to crawl down the road dragging your suitcase, we're going to give you a place to stay and a meal to eat. 
Mm. Have to get back home. All right, tell me cash app. Tell me your cash app. Uh, dot uh, uh, dollar sign (laughs) dollar sign Dr. James Small. Dollar Dollar sign James Small. James Small. See, so you can everybody got cash app. You got got cash app, so ain't no excuse. All right, man, we're gonna conclude with that. Make sure everybody go pick up. Uh, elementary genocide, the school to prison pipeline, elementary genocide to the board of education versus the board of incarceration, elementary genocide, academic holocaust, uh, wingy. We, we, we got the uh snapbacks, you see the wingy hoodie. Also, we got the new beanies, right? Um, matter of fact, at 12 o'clock midnight, it's gonna debut on the website. Now, last time I had it, it went real quick. So make sure you signed up to our email list. Email for once I drop it on the site, I guarantee you within right. an hour. Out. What's up? You know I gotta go. <laughs> Come oh. on. Thank but you. So you yeah. Tell us about your books. Uh, Fun in the Rain, Amazon.com. I love you guys. I love you, Dr. J. Small. But I do have to go. I'm sorry. I gotta go. <laughs> All right, sweetie. Thank you. you Black Power family, yo, we out of here. Black Power.